Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. We're here at Point the Hook, the famous cliff where the U.S. Rangers climbed to defeat emplacements, huge, gigantic emplacements that were going to bomb everyone on the other beaches here at Normandy. And we're going to cover some local news and some cultural news as always. In French news, it's hot. Yes, that's right. Everywhere is hot, including France. 14 different French departments are on heat wave alert, including Paris, as the region swelters. Also, Georgia Grand Jury also recommended charges against Lindsey Graham. And in Ukrainian news, Elon Musk has committed an evil act with Starlink orders, says a Ukrainian official. And we spin the squeal of fortune to see who's going to be a squealer on Trump. For culture news, Hackney Diamonds, the Stones' new album to be released next month. Those headlines and more on what is National Star Trek Day. So live long and prosper on today, September 8th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. In French news, we're looking at the weather. That's right, it's hot. It's not really hot here, actually. It's kind of cold for me. But the rest of France, very warm. French weather forecaster Meteo France has issued its first ever September orange heat wave alert, with weakened temperatures set to soar in Paris and the surrounding areas. All eight departments in the greater Paris Ile-de-France region, plus the six that make up the Centre-Val de Lyor region, are on orange heat wave alert the second highest from 12 noon on Friday through the whole of Saturday. It is the first time an orange alert for a heat wave has ever been issued in France in September. Another 37 departments are on yellow alert for heat, one level lower. Temperatures are expected to reach or exceed 35 Celsius over a large part of France, which has prompted the Meteo France to raise vigilance levels for Paris, Siena and Marne, Vélinus, Essonne, Houts de Seine, Seine Saint Denis, Val de Marne, Val de Ois, Indre et Lior, Cher, Ur et Lior, Indre, Lioret, and Lior et Cher. There's, all of those were like five of the same words repeated, but they're all different regions, trust me. Hot weather has persisted in these apartments during the day since the beginning of the week, and nighttime temperatures will increase over the next few days, Meteo France warned in a recent bulletin. Temperatures are set to rise further over the next few days, it added, with the mercury set to remain above 20 Celsius overnight, perhaps as high as 22 Celsius in Paris, and rising as big as high to mid-upper 30s during the day. Peaks of 37 Celsius are forecast in the Centre Val de Lior region. It could make for some tricky conditions for players and fans at the Rugby World Cup, which kicks off since St. Denis on Friday evening and featured another seven matches across the country over the weekend. Monthly records for maximum temperatures were set on Thursday, notably in Blois, Lior et Cher, where temperatures reached 35.5 Celsius in the shade. In the shade. Chateau d'Un, 35.1 Celsius, and Amboise at 35 Celsius. So it is hot, I can confirm. Even yesterday, 3 p.m., oh, nice, doable weather. You know, I enjoyed it. 
but as soon as it got after 3 p.m., it was like walking onto a lava font, okay? It was hot, okay, even for me, and I love hot weather, so. Yeah, exactly, and then you're inside of the metro, and it's like a sweat box, so. Take care out there, and everyone in France, and make sure you drink that water and keep cool. In criminal news, this is from AP Kate Broomback and Juris, Jur, Jur, Georgia Special Grand Jury recommended charges in election case for Senator Graham and two ex-senators. That's right. A report released on Friday revealed that Special Grand Jury investigating efforts to overturn Georgia's 2020 presidential election results recommended indictments against much larger group than Fulton County, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis Finding Willis ultimately charged, including one current and two former U.S. senators. The nine-page report showed jurors recommended charges against 39 people, compared to the 18 who were charged, along with Donald Trump. The names of those not indicted include Republican U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, former U.S. Senators Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue of Georgia, and former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Parts of the report, with 19 pages of appendices, have been released in, in February, but a judge had delayed the release of any recommendations for specific charges against specific people until after last month's indictment. While most of the intrigue and the inner workings of the case has diminished with the filing of the charges, it is notable, it is notable that the special grand jury recommended many people who were not actually indicted. Graham and an attorney who has represented him did not immediately return messages seeking comment on Friday. The panel spent seven months hearing some 75 witnesses before completing a report in December with recommendations for Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis on charges related to the attempts to overturn the 2020 presidential elections. Election. Wilson, or sorry, Wilson, Willis, which sounds like Wilson sometimes, Willis had said she needed the panel's subpoena power to compel the testimony of witnesses who might otherwise not have been willing to appear. The release of the indictment, the identities of the people recommended for indictments, is a departure from ordinary grand jury protocol which dictates that prosecutors do not disclose the names of individuals investigated but not charged so as to prevent potentially innocent subjects from being unduly maligned. The special grand jury's report is based on the testimony of witnesses, prosecutors called, and the evidence they presented over the second half of last year. In the report, the grand jurors made clear that the panel contained no election law experts or criminal lawyers. The majority of the grand jury used their collective best efforts, however, to attend every session, listen to every witness, and attempt to understand the facts as presented and the laws as explained. Willis was not bound by the recommendations of the 19 people ultimately indicted. Only one was not included in the special grand jury's recommendations, a former White House aide who served as a director of Trump's Election Day operations, Michael Roman, who we talked about the other day, was involved in efforts to put forth a set of fake electors after the 2020 election. Many of those indicted, including former New York Mayor and Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani and Trump White House Chief Staff Mark Meadows are known to have testified before the special election jury. Trump, the early front runner for the 24 nom Republican nomination, was never called and did not appear before the panel. In other criminal news, Elon Musk is in trouble with Ukraine as he's done some things that have caused the death of civilians as a price of a cocktail of ignorance 
and a big ego. This is from Piotr Sauer on The Guardian. A senior Ukrainian official has accused Elon Musk of committing evil after a new biography revealed details about how the business's magnate ordered his Starlink satellite communications network to be turned off near the Crimean coast last year to hobble a Ukrainian drone tech on a Russian warship. Specifically confirmed that he helped Russia attack, or I guess helped defend Russia from a Ukrainian drone attack. In a statement on Twitter, the social media platform Musk owns the Ukrainian president advisor Mikhailo Podolyak wrote that Musk's interference led to the deaths of civilians, calling them the piece of cocktail of ignorance and a big ego. By not allowing Ukrainian drones to destroy part of the Russian fleet via Starlink interference, Elon Musk allowed this fleet to fire caliber missiles at Ukrainian cities. As a result, civilians and children are being killed, Podolyak wrote. Why do some people so desperately want to defend war criminals and their desire to commit murder? And do they now realize that they are committing evil and encouraging evil? Musk defended the decision, saying he did not want his SpaceX company to be explicitly complicit in a major act of war and conflict escalation. Except for the part where he helped the Russians bomb Ukraine. Exactly. CNN on Thursday quoted an excerpt from the biography Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson, which described how armed submarine drones were approaching a Russian fleet near the Crimean coast when they lost connectivity and washed ashore harmlessly. The biography due out on Tuesday alleges Musk ordered Starlink engineers to turn off the service in the area of the attack because of his concerns that Vladimir Putin would respond with a nuclear weapon to Ukraine attack on the Russian-occupied Crimea. Also on Friday, Ukrainian Deputy Prime Minister Mikhailo Fedorov told the Financial Times that Musk shared with Isaacson confidential exchanges about military access to Starlink without permission from Fedorov. It's not very pretty, Fedorov told the Financial Times. I've never shown or talked about our correspondence publicly. Musk, who's also the CEO of Tesla Electric Car Company and SpaceX Rockets and Spacecraft manufacturer initially agreed to supply Starlink hardware to Ukraine after Russia's full-scale invasion disrupted Ukrainian communications. But he reportedly had second thoughts after Kyiv succeeded in repelling the initial Russian assault and began to counterattack. I actually remember that. He was like, I will provide the entire army of Ukraine so that they can communicate. And then everyone was like, oh, Ellen, you're so great. You're so, you're the best rich guy ever. And then he didn't he did exactly what Trump does, which he says he did something and never happened. He gets all the happy PR and then just says, huh? What? Like, he does all the time. Yeah. Musk has previously been embroiled in social media spat with Ukrainian officials, including the president Vladimir Zelensky, over his I- ideas for ending the Russian invasion. In October last year, Musk proposed a peace deal involving rerunning under the UN supervision annexation referendum in Moscow occupied Ukrainian's region acknowledging Russian sovereignty over the Crimean Peninsula and giving Ukraine a neutral status. Preliminary analysis suggests the reach and influence of the Kremlin-backed accounts has grown further in the first half of 2023, driven in particular by dismantling of Twitter's safety standards. The EU has accused Musk's Twitter of allowing Russia propaganda about Ukraine to spread on its website. A study revealed last week 
by the European Commission, the government body of the European Union, found that the reach and influence of the Kremlin-backed accounts has grown further in the first half of 2023. The study said that the increased the reach of Russian propaganda online was largely driven by Twitter, when engagement grew by 36% after CEO Elon Musk decided to lift the mitigation measures on Kremlin-backed accounts. Musk on Friday attempted to refute the EU study, writing on his social media platform, where is all the pro-Russian propaganda? We don't see it. I see it all the time, and I block them as soon as I see them. Freaking all these people are going, actually, Russia, blah, blah, blah. I don't care what Russia did. They started an illegal war. I don't care what their stance is. They had no Cassia belly. Hence, it's a legal war, and their game of civilization has been canceled. That's me, Allison. On to your story. Well, we're here today at the D-Day Memorial in France, and we're in kind of a little prison enclosure where it's really hard escape, kind of a solitary place, and it's time, not a better setting to play, Squeal of Fortune, okay, and we're going to spin the Zoe, who did we end up with, on the Squeal of Fortune, it is Kenneth Cheeseborough, okay, now that we've done the not indicted conspirators, conspirators in Georgia. We're going to talk about one of them that's been indicted in a couple of places and probably a few more. Kenneth Cheesebro. This is a story from TheGuardian.org. Eld Pilkington. One individual stands out among the 18 Donald Trump's acolytes who were indicted in Georgia over their participation of the former president's alleged racketeering enterprise and overturn the 2020 election. He is distinct, not for his chutzpah or braggadicio, those qualities are trademarked by Trump. Instead, he stands out for the opposite characteristics, his demure scholarly demeanor that has left those who have known him utterly baffled by his eruption from left-leaning attorney working for the relative obscurity, in relative obscurity into a key figure in the glaring lights of a historic criminal prosecution. Kenneth Cheesebro is not your regular Trump guy. Of all the of all the people to be involved in this craziness, Ken seems to be the least likely, said his lawyer and legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin, who studied <laughs> Cheesebro at the Harvard Law School in the 1980s. Tubin, who has written about his old classmate for Great on Carter's Digital Journal, Airmail, Air that he added <coughs> that he did not seem to have the bearing to play such a lion-sized role in the Trump election su subversion scandal. He was such a quiet and undemonstrative person, very low profile, yet Cheesebro features heavily in the Jack Smith's federal indictment of Trump. He is name-checked by the special counsel 13 times under the code name Co-Conspirator 5, and though he has not been charged in the federal case, Cheesebro is directly accused of devising and implementing the fake elector plot which lay at the center of Trump's efforts to subvert the 2020 election. Cheesebro is essentially cast, again, as this week's sprawling indictment issued by a grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia. This time, he has been charged with seven felony counts. One, well, this is a little bit older. It wasn't this week. It's a little, it's a couple weeks old. This start. Okay. I said this week's. All right. And six, four, one, okay. This time, he has been charged with seven felony counts, one under the state's racketeering law that targets organized crime groups, and six for acts of conspiracy relating to fake electors 
and to pressure campaign to cajole Vice President Mike Pence into blocking Joe Biden's victory on January 6, 2021. Democratic groups credit Cheeseboro with being architect of the audacious plan to send fake electors to Congress from states Trump had lost. In our estimation, Based on the publicity of available information, Kenneth Cheeseborough was the central mind behind the fake elector idea. Michael Teeter, managing director of the 65 Project, a nonprofit which seeks to hold lawyers involved in the alleged conspiracy accountable. He was the legal power behind the concept. He brought it to the forefront of the Trump campaign. Known by his schoolmates as the Cheese, and a nod to the number one cheese-making state of Wisconsin where he grew up, Cheeseboro graduated from Harvard Law in 1986. Then he associated with a group of sudden students, students clustered around a venerated liberal constitutional law professor, Lawrence Tribe, who's on MSNBC all the time. Several, uh, several of the group went on to have distinguished careers of their own, including Tubin, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Alina Kagan, and Ron Klain, Biden's first White House Chief of Staff. Tribe told The Guardian that Cheeseboro worked for him as a research assistant and was obviously bright and seemingly decent. Tribe's experience of him as a capable legal scholar depends on the mystery surrounding his current predicament. He's smart enough to know full well that the scheme he helped cook up, a conspiracy for fake electors to gather and sign phony pro-Trump ballots, was manifestly criminal. After college, Cheeseboro set up his own law firm in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Cambridge, Massachusetts. I can't say Massachusetts. Massachusetts, where he displayed largely liberal leanings. He helped the tribe fight on behalf of the 2000 Democratic presidential candidate Al Gore. And the Supreme Court blockbuster Bush v. Gore donated his money exclusively to Democratic candidates and expressed growing approval in the rising star of the party, Barack Obama. The cases, the case he took on, the cases he took on also had a clear liberal bent. He represented the plaintiffs, including suing big corporations, including Vietnam veterans, taking on chemical, company, chemical companies, and acted as a deputy special counsel in the Iran-Contra investigation into the Reagan administration's secret sale of arms to Iran. So there's your background on that guy. A liberal attorney turned into a, I don't know, a Trump lackey. We're here at the Overlord Museum, and we're going to talk about some lords of music that's right the rolling stones are releasing new music after almost 20 years since 2005 when they last released an album this article is in french let me translate it real quick i can't read french all right fans have been waiting for for okay i was it was giving me an ad Fans have been waiting for it for 18 years. Composed of 12 tracks, according to Mick Jagger, whose first single called Angry was released on Wednesday, September 6th. This album is the first from the Rolling Stones since 2016, but the first original song since 2005. So they released like a greatest hits or 20th anniversary or whatever the fuck. Mick Jagger, the charismatic singer of the group who celebrated his 80th birthday in July, presented the album at a concert hall in the Hackney District of East London. Alongside his bandmates like him, Justin Black, Keith Richards, 79, and Ronnie Wood, 76. Dressed in all black, glasses on their noses, and the three grandpas of British rock arrived, all smiles, taking the break outside in front of the photographers and many fans present to catch a glimpse of the cult group. I've been following the Stones since I was four years old, and I'm from the neighborhood. It's crazy that they're here. 
ignited Rory McGlinchey himself, a musician, and sporting a t-shirt bearing their image. I can't wait, he added, interviewed by AFP. It's about time, as Victoria Riley, 50, also enthusiastic. Some fans were luckier, being able to get a ticket to enter the Hackney Empire Theatre, where the press conference was taking place. The group did not sing, but sitting on a stage, soberly presented their new album for about 20 minutes and unveiled the clip for Angry, in which appears the young American actress Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria and The White Lotus. We didn't want to make just any record. I'm not saying we have big heads, but we're happy with it and we hope you all like it, said Mick Jagger. Besides the references to the neighborhood, Hackney Diamonds is also an English slang for an English slang term for the shards of glass thrown on the floor after break-ins. This is undoubtedly the Stones' best album since Some Girls in 1978. That's a that's a brave statement to say. You know, I I don't want to be like a negative Nancy here, but there's a lot of old bands, okay? A lot of old bands, they release music, and it doesn't hit the same as when they released the music in the first part because they were a new thing, they are a new trend, right? Yeah. So, we'll see how it goes. But that was from Will Hodgson, critic from the British newspaper, The Times, while for the Daily Telegraph, Angry is their best single for 40 years. This album is the 24th studio album by the Rolling Stones in the United Kingdom. The first with original songs in 18 years, since the release of A Bigger Bang, their previous album seven years ago. Blue and Lonesome was a record of blues covers. So that's the last album they released, which was just a bunch of covers. Asked about the secret of the longevity of the group, founded in 1962, Mick Jagger replied not to talk to each other too often. Knowing how to say shut up politely, bounced Keith Richards. Of course we miss him, Keith Richards said. Two of the songs we are, oh, this is about Watts. Two of the songs we recorded in 2019 with Charlie Watts. Stephen jo- Steve Jordan, personally recommended by Watts to replace him, is behind the drums on, on, the, others, on the other tracks. Bill Wyman, a former member of the group, joined his ex-partners on a song, while Lady Gaga is a guest for Sweet Sound of Heaven. The Rolling Stones had already maintained the suspense around the release. The launch was announced in August in cryptic advertisement in a local newspaper, the Hackney Gazette. They're really are going for Hackney. Hackney Diamonds, glass repairs experts, opening September 2023, reads, This announcement immediately spread on social network, fans having spotted allusions to the group. And then... Text mentions a flagship of titles like Gimme Shelter and Satisfaction. And dot on the eye of the word diamonds took the famous logo and the shape of a mouth sticking its tongue out. Yeah, so it was like, hmm, that looks a lot like Rolling Stones. They make references to one of their top tracks, two of their top tracks. So that's pretty, yeah, cute way to market themselves. And that's our culture news coming out of uh, Europe, I guess. This day in history, 1504. Michelangelo's The David was unveiled in the Piazza della Signorina, and I know I pronounced that wrong, in Florence. Considered a masterpiece, the sculpture is one of the defining works of the Renaissance. In 1664, as part of the Anglo-Dutch Wars, the Duke of York, later James III, took the city of New Amsterdam, whose name was changed to New York. In 1781, American troops commanded by General Nathaniel Green defeated British forces near Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Stewart. Hmm, at the Battle of 
Utah Springs during the American Revolution. Probably related to us. There was a lot of Scottish officers in the British Army. Brit British actor Peter Sellers, who portrayed an astonishing range of characters, but was perhaps best known as the inept inspector Jacques Cousteau in the Pink Panther films. In 1925, he was born, he would be 98. Inspector Cousteau. You silly fool. 1930, the American company 3M began a marketing camp marketing a transparent adhesive that later became known as Scotch Tape. And 1941, German and Finnish armies began a siege of Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, Russia, which lasted for 872 days. That's a couple of years. You're scoring at home. Not quite three. At the end of 1945, oh, I'm sorry, in 1945, at the end of World War II, the first U.S. troops entered the Korean Peninsula, south of the 38th parallel, to receive the Japanese surrender north of the parallel. Japanese troops surrendered to the Soviet forces. Well, that's interesting. 1960, a psychological thriller, Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock and based on a real-life serial killer, Ed Gein, was released in American theaters, it became a classic, especially known for the scene in which Janet Leigh's character is murdered in the shower. In 1966, the first episode of the sci-fi series known as Star Trek, Trek, Star Trek, T-R-E-K, Trek, aired on American television. May the, you live long and prosper. 1974, I just did that to make you look like that. Uh, Richard Nixon, 1974, who had resigned to the U.S. presidency on August 8, 1974, was pardoned by Gerald Ford on this day in 1974. Way to go, Jerry. Way to make a backdoor handshake and deny justice to the American people. Oh, yeah, what a great guy. 1998. Mark McGuire of the St. Louis Cardinals broke Ray Maris' 1961 record for the most home runs in a regular professional baseball season. By hitting his 60-second home run of the season, of course, there was professional Negro League baseball, and they never kept records because they only kept records of white baseball. So again, <laughs> a totally artificial record. German filmmaker, well, I'm serious, Josh Jason probably hit 80 home runs in the season, right? Just because we were keeping track, keeping score, official records, right? We got this record. Italian records are like that. Editorializing, that's what I'm doing. German filmmaker Lenny Reifstahl, who is perhaps the finest and most influential female director of the 20th century, but her associate association with Adolf Hitler made her almost as much reviled as admired. Well, she died in 2003 at age of 101. Famous propagandist, there we go. And American comedian Stephen Colbert debuted as a host of Late Night Show, replacing David Letterman this day in 2015. In 2022, after more than seven decades in the British throne, is Elizabeth II died at the age of 96. Her eldest son, Charles, became Charles III. In our special featured event, we just passed her statue last night, Paris, attacked by Joan of Arc on this day in 1429. On this day in 1429, French heroine Joan of Arc peasant girl who believed she was acting under the divine guidance, attempted to oust the Duke of Burgundy and take Paris for the newly crowned King Charles VII. So, and then, oh, featured biography is K. 
King Richard I, born on September 8th, 8, 1157. And other birthdays, Ruby Bridges, American civil rights activist. Bernie Sanders' birthday today. Bernie is er, 82, having been born in 1941. And Patsy Klein was born in 1932. We have covered Peter Sellers. And 1841 is the birthday of Antovin Dvorak. All right, that's it for this day in history, a long, lengthy one, but the short calendar is today for National Day Calendar Day. Day Calendar, which was open earlier, but now hates me. All right, let's do it again. No fucking All right. It is National Pediatric Hematology Oncology Nurses Day. So, children with cancer and blood diseases. Yes. It's World Ampersand Day. Ampersand, that's that thing that looks like it's and sign. There you go. And live long and prosper, it's Star Trek Day. All right, this has been Allison here from Omaha Beach. We didn't storm it, but we did walk on it, and we found some great memorials to all the American soldiers who lost their lives here, and the Canadians, and the engineers, and the medics, all of them. There's memorials to every single person here who's ever died, like if you pan over to that, right? All over the place, there's these huge little flags. And this has been, this has been Allison here. This has been Allison here, hope to see you next week as we are going to be i think in germany so see you then so this is roger saying goodbye in front of a giant tank out here next to the normandy cemetery on september 8th and then friday september 8th 2023 edition of before coffee Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.